podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Uh, I'm going to preach a message. I, God really started dealing with me a while ago about this concept of freedom, this concept of healing. And uh, I started thinking about how uh, there's so many of us that, that need to get free in our life, that we're bound to some things that we do not uh, know we're necessarily bound to, that we're struggling with issues we do not necessarily know uh, that we're struggling with. So I'm going to be talking along the lines uh, of healing because reality is uh, we need healing. We need it. You, me, all of us need healing. I know what you're thinking. I know some of you are like, oh my goodness, he's going to be talking about healing and my legs work just fine and my eyes can see clearly. Sometimes we minimize healing to be physical healings. If our, if, if, if when I say the word healing, most people go, well, I don't have cancer. I don't have a disease. I'm not struggling with a lower back pain or high blood pressure, diabetes, hypertension, lupus. I, I don't have any of those uh, things going on in my life. You know, my eyesight's going, but I can still see just fine. I can hear just fine. The music was loud. I know I can hear just fine. So you have all these outward things that describe healing. But when God started speaking to me about this topic that I'm going to share with you, that he start, I, I started questioning God or asking God this thought, God, how come we're not seeing you move like you can move? How come there are marriages that, that people who love you, who have served you, have, have tied to you, who've been on the dream team, how come after 12, 13, 14 years of marriage, it ends in a divorce? How come we just throw away the calling? How come, you know, we do good with our purity? We're going to wait for until we get married for six months, nine months, three years, and then we compromise and, and, and miss out on what you had for us. How come as a student, I'll serve God through all my youth ministry days. And, but then when I graduate from high school, how come we lose so many students? Um, once they graduate high school, that church now is optional. They don't have to come. So, uh, they get busy in college and life, and now the call of God becomes secondary to uh, what they're trying to obtain. And I said, God, how come this is? How come people can stay sober for so long, but then in one moment of weakness, in one event, in one New Year's Eve, in one birthday party, in one high school reunion, they can dwindle it all away? And he said, Mekon, the reason why we're not seeing what could be seen is because it's hard to go to war wounded. It's hard to go to war wounded. I started thinking, well, what, what, what does that mean? It's hard to go to war wounded. God, I, I don't understand uh, what you're really saying. He said, he said, you know, when you have an ailment, when you are struggling with a wound, you cannot do what you should be capable of doing. Like, you know, maybe this has happened to you. You know, maybe there's some men my age, 37, 40, somewhere in that version of life, where you still feel like you're 20, but you're not. And so, you know, a friend, so, hey, let's go play. Let's get on a slow-pitch softball team. (laughs) It's slow-pitch. You're a grown man. It's underhand. What are you doing that for? 
Or they invite you to go play basketball and you're like, okay, I'm going. So you put on your whole Jordan uniform because you can't play. So you have to look like you could play. And you haven't stretched. You can't even touch your toes. Your wife ties your shoes for you. But you're going out and you're going to have a good time. But you forget that you're not 17. You're 40. So you go and run like you're 17, but like you pull a leg muscle, you roll your ankle, you hurt your back in the warm-ups. And your wife says, I told you not to go. And so like, you know, uh, could you imagine if you've ever sprained your ankle, how do you run from a Doberman pincher with a sprained ankle? It's hard to run from the enemy when you got a sprained ankle. It's hard to fight back when you got back pain that's seizing you up and making you stiff because if you lean the wrong direction, it feels like everything is going out in your body. It's hard to lift your hands in victory when your shoulders are broken and mangled. And I realize that there's a lot of people spiritually who've got spiritual rolled ankles and spiritual bad backs and spiritual bad shoulders, and they cannot do what they're called to do because they're wounded. What you talking about, preacher man? Wounded? You're talking about wounded? I have no concept what you're talking about. I'll tell you what. When you're wounded from what happened, the wounds from what happened. See, what happened was, is I grew up without a father. So, you know, you're asking me to be a good dad and a husband, but I have no concept of what that is. And so I'm trying to imitate what I see, but what I saw wasn't good. I'm struggling with wounds from what happened. See, you don't know, you know, when I was about six years old, my uncle came over and he touched me inappropriately. And so now I'm in a relationship with my spouse and they want to be intimate. But every time we get intimate, it makes me go back to when I got touched when I was six. And so to, to him, he loves it. But to me, I hate it. And so there's this conflict in our marriage because I'm struggling from wounds from what? I know what you're, I, you, you don't understand. I was at this last church and the last church I was at, that pastor did that. And so I don't trust churches or pastors because they told me I was going to hell. They treated me like this. And so I really don't get involved. I really don't give. I really don't serve. I really don't step into my calling because I'm struggling from wounds of what happened. You know, when I was eight years old, some friends of mine showed me a Playboy, a Hustler magazine. And so I got these images or they showed me on the cell phone, that website. And so you're asking me, I I can't even fight off this monster. This monster's so big in my life now. I don't want to look. I don't want to watch. I don't want to go there. But I got sucked in and now this monster has grown in my life and I'm trying to stay pure. But it's hard to stay pure when my mind has been defiled. So I'm struggling the side effects of what happened, I've got wounds. I have a hard time trusting people because, you know, when I, when I got married, my husband left me or my wife cheated on me. And so that marriage ended in a bad relationship. And I know I should get myself back together and get back in the game because God's got another spouse for me. But I just don't trust people because everyone I loved left. I just don't have the confidence because when I was 13 and I started reaching puberty, I struggled with acne or I was just a little bit chubbier. And so the kids made fun of me. And so now I got this complex and I don't feel beautiful, although I'm not what I was anymore. And so people, I don't know how to walk in the confidence that God wants me to walk in because I'm struggling with wounds from what 
happen. See, you don't know it, but you need more healing than what you're aware of. Because those things that are jumping in our life, that all of us are not exempt from, that we all will face, that we all go through, are hard to deal with. But there's a segment of scripture that will be the basis for what I want to really communicate today. And it's found in the book of Matthew. It says this, from there he, and that he is Jesus, he went all over Galilee and he used synagogues for meeting places and taught people the truth of God. That God's kingdom was his theme and that beginning right now, they were under God's government, a good government. He also healed people, watch this, of their diseases and the bad effects of their bad lives. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that Jesus just didn't heal people that were crippled and got them to walk? That it wasn't just about blind eyes being opened up? That it wasn't just about deaf people being able to hear? or people who couldn't speak to speak, or lepers with skin diseases, their skin being made uh, uh, clean and smooth, or people with issues of blood, or people being resurrected from the dead. Like, that's what I think about healing, but this says something different. It says not just the diseases, but of the bad effects of bad lives. What's a bad effect of bad life? It's the side effect of sin. It's the side effect, the consequent, the mental, emotional damage that comes with the side effect of sin. And there's some of us in this room right now that are struggling from the bad effects of sin choices we've made. That we carry the weight for those decisions we made. We wrecked the marriage. We weren't involved with our kids. We took advantage. We sold the drug. We got them addicted. We said the hateful thing. We, we talked about them behind their back. We stole, we lied, we cheated. Some of us are suffering the bad effects from sin in our lives. There's others of us that are suffering the bad effects of bad lives of other people. They molested us. They were physically and verbally abusive to us. They robbed us of our self-esteem. They stole from us. They lied to us. They cheated us. And there's some of us that are struggling with both. Things we've done and things people did to us, and you don't know it, but you're running. Your marriage ain't what it should be. You didn't even know it, and you got a, you've got so comfortable with the limp that you thought it was normal. You got so comfortable with the back pain, you just been taking painkillers, but the pain's still there and you still can't function the way you want to function. So we find coping mechanisms just to get us through today. But really, we still got trust issues. We still got anger issues. We're still hurt. We're still bitter. We still got all this stuff in us and we're suffering the side effects of bad lives. But this Jesus is not just concerned with your physical body. He's concerned with the whole entire person you are. It goes on to say this, that word got around the entire Roman province of Syria and people brought anybody. I love anybody because that means anybody in Hebrew, Greek, Latino, whatever. Anybody's anybody. With an ailment, whether mental, emotional, or physical. That he healed anybody, whether it was a mental healing, an emotional healing, or a physical healing. And Jesus healed them all. He healed them, one and all. That Jesus, our God, is just not concerned with your physical state of being. 
Because it is possible to have functioning legs but not go anywhere. It is possible to have full 20-20 vision but cannot see your future. It is possible to have a functioning, working mouth, but not be able to declare what God says over your life because you're still struggling from the wounds of what happened. It's possible to be able to see everybody else, but cannot see yourself the way God sees you because of what happened. It is possible to be able to hear, but not hear properly. All you hear is the old words from yesterday. You do not hear what God is speaking today. Your ears physically work, but emotionally and mentally, you got bad effects of bad living. You need healing. We need healing. Because the reality of it is, is sin can scar you. It can scar you. It can get to a place, you know, uh, it happened. We're not proud about it. We did it. We wish we would have never done it. They did it to us. It was out of our control. But sin has a way of leaving a residue on you if you're not careful, and it could scar you. I remember being about 27 years old, about 10 years ago, my dad was uh, driving to my city, and my dad didn't drive to my city uh, very much. I probably seen him in my city maybe three or four times, and uh, my dad was an absent father. Uh, he, he would come around once every four years. He never really saw me play a sport, uh, never saw me perform or do anything. Uh, uh, my dad wasn't there for many of the moments of my life. And uh, I remember being 27 years old, having this honest dialogue with my wife, crying to my wife, frustrated because I, I was 27 years old and still needed my dad. Like I was like, I still, I need a, why am I struggling with this thought that I need a father? I'm a grown man. I got two kids. I got a successful business. I've been following Christ at that point for a good eight years. I've been, my life is completely different. Why is there a need for something I didn't get when I was 13. Because sin can scar you. I started thinking about my life and I started thinking about how, you know, when I was about, I don't know, I was going into ninth grade. I don't know how old that would make me. But the summer of my eighth grade year going into ninth grade, my mom gets remarried and she marries this guy and says, hey, son, I'm getting married and I'm moving to Las Vegas. Do you want to come? It's optional. So I chose door number two. No, I'm not moving. And so I lived with my 16-year-old sister. And my 16-year-old sister got me to smoke weed for the very first time. In a matter of two weeks, I lost my virginity, got hooked on drugs. And my sister, who got me started on weed, couldn't take care of me, so she kicked me out. Then I got bounced from my uncle, then to my dad, who I didn't even really know. I got bounced from family member to family member to family member. And all that was on me was everyone who loves me leaves. So I didn't let no one in. I, I kept everyone out. I tried to make as much money as I could. I tried to have sex with whoever I could, never really committing to anything because commitment was not an option for me because everyone who was supposed to be committed to me left. And so as I got older, as I now I'm getting closer to 18, now I find a girl who I actually care about, but I cheat on her and I do some hurtful, awful things to her almost to leave me a back door just in case she ever tries to leave. I got other options. I'm not saying what I did was right. What I'm saying is I was struggling the side effects of my yesterday. What had happened had wounded me. And so I didn't know how to be the man God wanted me to be because I was still struggling with the sins that scarred me. 
Sins my mom made, sins my dad made, sins people made, sins I made. Could it be the reason why you flipped your lid so easy is because what happened when you were eight? Could it be the reason why you always go back to that thing you say you're never going back to, whatever your device is, whether it's a drink, whether it's a smoke, whether it's a, 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 a visual stimulant via pornography, could it be the reason why you go back to the things you left, could it be that it's because of sin has scarred you? Could it be the reason why your marriage, the reason why you leave every time there's an argument, the reason why you slam doors, the reason why you check out, the reason why you don't say, some of you can't even say you're sorry. Because saying sorry makes you feel weak because the last person you said sorry to took advantage of you. So you know I'm not saying sorry to no one. Could it be that there are levels in your life that you're not reaching because of the sin that scarred you? Could it be your marriage could be 10 times better, but you can't get there because there's some things that, that happen that has affected you? We don't like to talk about this, but just because you're Christian doesn't mean you still don't deal with stuff. Just because my soul has been redeemed, I got an earthly body that I got to still walk through. I love that this Jesus that came, he didn't just come for my physical body, that he was concerned about my mind, that he was concerned about my emotions, and he knows that I might be whole on the outside, but if I'm broken on the inside, I cannot be who he wants me to be, so God wants me nothing missing and nothing broken. He wants me whole from the inside out because the calling on your life cannot be tricked away from what happened. We need to get healed. And even though sins could scar you, I love this because there's a text where Jesus, he's in the synagogue, he's teaching, and Jesus is bad to the bone. So while he's teaching, he breaks out the Old Testament, goes to the book of Isaiah, and he reads this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, and he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, that word Lord's favor was a big deal. And if you were standing there when Jesus said this, you would have been like, oh, my goodness. No, he didn't. Did he just say that? Because the year of the Lord's favor meant this, the year of jubilee. And some of you are like, well, what the heck does that mean, year of Jubilee? I'm glad you asked. The year of Jubilee was a festival that happened once every 50 years. That when the year of Jubilee in year 50, year 100, year 150, year 200, every 50 years, it was determined that on the year of Jubilee, all debts had to be canceled. So basically, here's what would happen. In a 50-year time period, imagine your life over 50 years. Some of you aren't there yet. I got 13 more years to get there. So I haven't even crossed 50 years. And I've made a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of debts that have been racked up in my life over the last 37 years. So in the Bible times, the debts could be you lost your property. You lost your house because there was a famine. So we had to sell the house to buy food so that way our kids wouldn't starve. Sometimes you would have to sell your family, your kids, your wife to slavery, sometimes even yourself. Wives were probably selling their husband first. Get him out of here. But you might even have to end up as a slave to earn resources to survive. 
So on the year of Jubilee, no matter what debt, no matter how much cattle you gave away, no matter how many cows you sold, no matter how many property you sold, no matter how long you've been a slave, whether you've been a slave for 47 years or 14 months, on year 50, everything was given back. That means in year 50, you got your house back. It's like a country western song played backwards. You got your house back. You got your wife back. You got your dog back. You got your kids back. You got everything back in year 50. And what Jesus was saying was, guess what? The year of the Lord's favor to cancel all the debt, it happens now. And when I first read this, I thought about how how that is so awesome for people who lost everything to get their debt canceled. Could you imagine you lost your house because the economy went bad, but on year 50, you get it back? No interest, no payments, it's just back to you. I thought, wow, how awesome is that? But then when I read it this time, I was like, how awesome for the people that took advantage. What are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. When do they ever get their debt wiped? When does the person who cheated on the spouse get their debt wiped? When does the molester get their debt canceled? When does the drug dealer who got people addicted get their debt canceled? See, it's one thing to be on the hands of the offender and have the stuff given back to you what the enemy stole from you. But it's another thing to be the one who did this stuff, but now you get a second chance to do it right this time. When did the, And Jesus says, everyone, the people who got oppressed and the people who did the oppressing, everyone and anyone gets their thing canceled and the year of the Lord's favor starts now. What that means to you and me is no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what people did to you, no matter what you did to them, today there is a debt-canceling forgiveness that's on your life. You do not have to walk in shame, guilt, and condemnation another day. Put your head up high. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can leave here victorious because God is for you. We need healing. So I started thinking about freedom and, well, God, you want us to be free. Well, what is freedom? What is freedom? What's another way that I could describe to you freedom? And he said this. Forgiveness. How do you say freedom? Forgiveness. And most people never live free because they cannot do this. Why would I want to forgive them? You know how hard it is to forgive yourself? Why would I want to forgive them? Do you know what they did? And every time we hear forgiveness, a lot of us make it mean things that it never was meant to mean. Sometimes when you hear the word forgiveness, you're just, well, I guess I'm just going to have to take it then, whatever they throw my way. No, that's not what forgiveness is. What you may think is forgiveness might not be forgiveness. I want to give you today a definition of forgiveness that might be able to help you to actually get free from some stuff. Forgiveness is simply this. Forgiveness is canceling a debt that could never be paid back. It's canceling a debt, basically saying, you don't owe me anymore. And the reason why people don't forgive is because they want payment. But can I just be honest with you? That person... Those people can't pay you back. They don't have enough resources to give you what you want. 
Let me give you a good example. So my father, who was not around, if he popped up today, which my dad is back in my life, and I've had this conversation with him, and I've forgiven him, and we have a great relationship. But if my dad was to come back and say, hey, son, I know I wasn't there for your whole adolescence, teenage years, so I got good news. Here's an Escalade. Here's a $2 million home. And I'm going to text you 25 times every day for the next three weeks to make up. There is no amount of money that my dad could give me for the time I had to sit on the front porch waiting for him to come to a birthday party that I canceled because he said he was going to pick me up and he didn't show up. There's no amount of money that could pay me back from the times I would have loved to been on the football field and look back and see my dad clapping for me. There's no amount of money that could pay me back for my dad not being there when I was getting bullied at school and I needed someone to tell me, son, just stand up for yourself. You could do this. I know what some of you are thinking. You've been taken advantage of. People lied, cheated on you, hurt you, did things that wrecked you and ruined you. Some of you was your parents. Some of you was a sibling. Some of it people did to your kids. You just trusted them to babysit them. You didn't know that they were going to be physically uh, inappropriately touched at that house that you trusted. Could I tell you, I'm sorry. And no matter what kind of payment you want, will never be enough. They can't, they do not have the resources to pay you back. Your husband cannot pay you back. Your baby daddy cannot pay you back. Your ex-girlfriend cannot pay you back. They cannot pay you back for the things they spoke about you on social media. They cannot pay you back for all the times they hurt you. They cannot pay you back for all the big moments in your life that they miss. They do not have enough resources to pay you back. And what forgiveness says is, I'm no longer demanding payment. Forgiveness doesn't say it didn't hurt. Forgiveness doesn't say it didn't break me. Forgiveness doesn't say I'm still not broken. What it does says is I'm not bound to that brokenness anymore. I'm not going to let what happened affect what can happen. I'm not going to let what they did to me at 7 affect my marriage at 47. I'm not going to let what happened at 13 keep me from my calling at 25. I may still hurt canceling the debt because they can't pay me back anyway that's essentially what Jesus did see you and I we could spend our whole life trying to be good okay God I'm gonna I'm gonna read 75 verses a day I'm gonna read my Bible 24 hours a day I'm gonna pray until the sun comes up and I promise I'm gonna get up early and I'm gonna give all my money to the church and I'm gonna sit I'm gonna serve I'm gonna do everything I'm gonna pay you back for all the dumb stuff that I did and can I tell you you could do that for the rest of your life and still never have enough to pay him back and what Jesus said is in spite of of you. You deserved hell, but I'm not going to collect that debt. I'm going to cancel it and forgive you so that you can be set free. So you have an option to live free. You don't have to walk and serve me out of guilt and you don't have to overcompensate for what you didn't do. All you have to do is walk as the man or woman you're created to be today. Most people can't cancel the debt. You ever had a bill collector call your house? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) But bill collectors, man, they're, they're, they're relentless. They'll, 
They'll call your house and then thank God for when caller ID came out because then we could tell when it was a bill collector. But then they're smart, man. They'll get your number. They'll call you at work. You'd be like, how'd you get my work number? Oh, your mama gave it to us. So then you call your mom. Mom, why'd you give them my number? They'll get your cell phone number now. They'll call a cousin. You'll be at a cousin's house. They'll, it's for you. It's the bill collector. How did they give a cousin's number? So eventually you just keep avoiding it. You know it's there and you feel guilty and feel bad about it. And every time you hear the phone ring, there's anxiety. That's what happens when there's a debt. Every time you see that person, there's anxiety. Every time that person's enjoying life, you're frustrated. Every time that memory comes up, you're, you're crippled. Every time you want to run, you start limping. It's said that, 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 that track runners, that that when they run races, that if they, while they were running, while they're running the track, if they came around a corner and pulled a hamstring around a corner that took them out of the race, that even when they're healed, even when their muscles are strong, that when they run that same corner again, when they turn that same corner again, their physical trainer could tell them, you're not going to pull a hamstring, you're stronger now, you're in better shape than you were then. It was a fluke accident. Even though they're healthy, when they round that corner, they let up because of fear of what happened. Nothing is stopping them from running full speed today. But what happened has prevented them from being all they could be in that race. Could it be the same with me and you that nothing is stopping you from being the man of God or having that marriage or being a virtuous woman? There's nothing stopping you from getting a godly man. There's nothing stopping you from being sober. There's nothing stopping you from waiting till your marriage. There's nothing stopping you from changing the world. Could it be that what has happened has caused this big debt and it's kept us? Every time someone loves us, we kind of just, every time someone gets close, we just, every time there's resistance, we just, every time there's an argument, we just, every time we get lonely, we just, every time we get depressed, we just. So how do I get healed? Because I don't want the wounds of what happened to affect me. I don't know how, how you get healed. It's pretty easy. Uh, it's time to forgive them. Your healing is on the back bones of your forgiveness. Yeah, them. Some of you do really good at masking. That's why Jesus wanted to deal with the emotional and the mental state of our health because there's many of us who have the outside all together. You got a good job now. You got a nice house now. You got a ring on it now. You got kids now. You're successful now. You're a dream team member now. But if you're really honest, there's debts that you've been holding against people that cannot pay you back. You've been waiting for payment all this time. And some of those people have even tried, but it's never enough. Because unforgiveness will always demand a payment from someone who cannot pay it back. It's time to forgive them. Yep. The ones that left you. The ones that abused you. 
the ones that took advantage of you, the ones that spoke those words over your life that you're fighting to shake off, the ones who never showed up, the ones who never kept their promise, the ones that hit you when it wasn't even your fault, the ones that compared you to your siblings and you could never match up, the last church you went to, the last pastor you were under. It's time to forgive them, to not make light of what they did, to not, to not, to not acknowledge that what they did hurt and stung to cancel the debt and no longer demand a payment because demanding a payment is what's keeping you from being who God wants you to be God would say I want you to be like my son I sent my son while you were my enemy to reconcile you back to me and he forgave you he didn't excuse your sin he forgave it he just didn't demand a payment on it anymore that's why I said it's been paid in by the blood of Jesus Christ your debt was canceled on the cross and he didn't excuse your sin he didn't but he said you know what I'm not demanding payment and matter of fact I'm going to forget it I'm going to throw it as far as the east is from the west and the sea of forgetfulness I'm not even going to bring it up anymore that debt has been paid you have a God who is not a bill collector he's not a bill collector he's a debt canceler time to forgive him for some of you it's time to forgive yourself I know what it's like to say sorry till you can't say sorry anymore side effects of my sin my wife, who I'm happily married to, who will be made, will be married. I want to say, uh, uh, 17 years this year. But the bad effects of my bad living caused me to cheat on her all the way up till three days before we got married. When God grabbed a hold of my heart and I realized I couldn't do this thing lying any longer and I need to confess and be honest with my wife and when I confessed to her all the things that I ever did to her all trust was broken all confidence was gone I know what it's like to wake up and say sorry till you can't say sorry anymore some of you know what I'm talking about because you've done some things that you're not proud of, but you're not that man and you're not that woman anymore. I know what it's like to walk in your calling, but have the enemy pop up and say, you're not good enough. How dare you get up there and preach the word of God when you was out there cheating on your wife till three days before you got married? How dare you get up there and try to tell people how to live? And I know what it's like to have to reaffirm yourself and say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That God is for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I know, devil, you meant it for bad, but God is going to turn around and use it for my good. Some of you, you've been walking under that shame and 
guilt because of what you've done. You had the abortion. You got them hooked on a drug. You did that thing in that relationship that made you lose your family. And you're the one that didn't call your kids for five years. And you're the one that was absent, too busy trying to pursue your dreams. That the people in your world got neglected. That you're the one that did. I know what that's like. And I'm just telling you, some of you are the worst bill collector on yourself. You cannot pay it back I cannot pay my wife back I cannot pay her back for all the tears that she cried because my selfishness I cannot pay her back but what I can do is wake up every day and be the man that I'm supposed to be today some of you need to forgive yourself just as Last, last couple of months, me and my, my, I have a middle son. He's 15 years old. and he's, he's a little bit different in the family. He's an original. He doesn't, he doesn't think or act. or We don't have much in common. And my son was going through some stuff, and I was sitting him down, and we were having a family, me and my wife and my son, and we're just having a family meeting. He's struggling with areas of his life. And I'm sitting down and talk to him, and I said, son, why, why are you doing that? And he says, dad, I feel invisible to you. He says, we could be in the same room, but I don't even feel like you see me. And for years, I just didn't want to be like my dad because my dad wasn't there. But I was there, but I still wasn't there. You know how hard it is to look your son in the face that you love? And realize that you neglected your own son? I'm saying that to say just because you're a Christian, just because you're a pastor, just because you're a leader, does not make you exempt from the scars of sin. And I had a choice right there to either be like my dad, which I asked my dad, Dad, how come you weren't there? He says, because on one birthday, I missed it. And so the next birthday, I felt bad. And then I wanted you to get this gift, but I couldn't afford that gift, so I didn't get you anything. And then before you know it, 17 years went by. And I let my failures keep me from being your father. And in that moment, I had a choice to be just like my dad and go, okay, well, I don't know how to fix his son, so I'm just going to distance myself. I said, no. I'm not going to demand payment from things I missed. But today, I can be the dad that I'm supposed to be. Today, we can go on car rides and talk. Today, I can help build stuff with you that I really don't like building. Today, I can get in your world and encourage you and love you. Today, I can be the dad today. Some of you parents, you know what I'm talking about because you've been beating yourself up for the last 10 years that you missed. And so it cripples you from being involved at all. I'm sharing this with you today because it's time to forgive yourself. It's time to cancel the debt that you feel like you owe. You cannot pay it back. There's nothing I can do to pay my son back for the moments that I missed. But I can walk in my calling and purpose today in his life to be the dad I need to be today.
every eye closed and every head bowed at every location, Madeira, Fresno, here at Clovis. If you are here today and you would be honest enough to say, I need healing in my heart because I need to forgive those people or I need to forgive myself. I'm not saying that what we did and what they did wasn't wrong. I'm not saying that what we did and what they did does not still hurt. What I'm saying is we're not going to let it affect our today any longer. We're going to cancel that debt. My dad can't pay me back. Jesus already did. I can't pay my wife back. Jesus already did. Every eye closed, every head bowed, every location, you're saying, Pastor, will you pray for me? I need to forgive. I want this healing, which means I got to participate in this. I want to let that stuff go today. I want to forgive them, or I need to forgive myself, or I need to do both. If that's you at every location, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand in the air right now. You're saying, Pastor, please pray for me. It's time for me to cancel that. Ooh, it's heavy. I know, I know, I know. I, there's some of you, 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 you can't even put your hand in the air, but you need to, because you're not going to get better staying bitter. You got to forgive. Father God, every hand that's lifted at every location, can I pray you do a work in our life to help us cancel that debt just like you canceled the debt in our life. God, help those things that happen not affect what's going to happen. Help us to have the marriages and the families and the relationships that we're supposed to have unaffected by what has happened in our life previously. From the mistakes that people have made and the mistakes that we have made. God, we cancel those things like you canceled them off our life. And we walk in who you called us to be. God, I pray for reconciliation and restoration. And God, I pray that you do a work in our life that we would look back and say, on this day, we begin to walk without a limp. On this day, we begin to see what God sees. On this day, we begin to hear what God is saying, not clouded by the memories of yesterday, that we're not the sum of those decisions and we're not the sum of what happened. We are fearfully and wonderfully made and today, we're made new. In Jesus' name. And every eye closed, every head bowed, go ahead and put your hands down. Secondly, if you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to make him first and foremost in my life. I need the forgiveness that he offers. I cannot do this my way any longer. My way doesn't work. I refuse to leave here, to leave any of the campuses the same way that I came in. I need this Jesus, this debt canceling, forgiving, healing of mental and emotional and physical. I need that Jesus to come and do a rescue in my life today. Some of you, you walked away from God and today you need to rededicate yourself to him and say, God, today I choose you. God, today I choose you. And there's many of you who've done some things that made you feel disqualified. You've never even prayed the prayer. You've never even asked him into your heart because you felt unworthy. You felt disqualified. You felt like God was judgmental, but he's not a God who points fingers. He's a God who embraces. And I'm here to tell you today that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter who you did it with, that Jesus wants to cancel that debt. 
And if you're here at any of our locations, you say, Pastor, pray for me, because today I want to surrender my life to him. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand in the air all across all campuses right now. Be bold. Be courageous. Say, today, Jesus, I need you to be Lord and Savior. Tons of hands here at Clovis. I believe in Madera and Fresno. There's going to be tons of hands. Will anybody else, you're saying, today, I either rededicate my life or I give Jesus my life for the very first time. I need him, and I'm not leaving here without him. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm so thankful that he is. I know I made mistakes, but I'm so thankful that he was perfect and blameless and that he canceled my debt. Go to put your hands down. Let me pray for you. Father God, I pray for every hand that was lifted. God, I pray you do a work in their life that only you can do. That today starts a new beginning. That a fresh start starts right now. That the old is gone and the new has come. That they can leave here with their head held high, knowing that you're for them. Knowing that you're with them. Knowing you're going to bless them. Knowing you're going to promote them. Knowing that you're going to be behind them in their endeavors, in their day-to-day life. That today they are made new. Church, I want you to repeat this prayer after me, especially those of you who lifted your hands right now. Say this, say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to live for you and to love you all the days of my life. Today I'm new. Today I'm forgiven. Today I'm free. Today I'm changed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.